Cyrano, for all his smarts, for all his swaggering, swashbuckling self, just can't get past this wretched nose of his. When you actually find that one person that you know is the one for you, but you don't believe in yourself that you are either deserving of that person or that you are good enough for that person, I think that's something that a lot of people feel. Yeah, insecurity is something that most of us experience from time to time, and some of us more than others. Welcome to He Sang, She Sang, the podcast that takes you deep inside your favorite operas. I'm Marin Lazian, and today we're talking about literature's most romantic swashbuckling soldier, the man whose tongue is as sharp as his sword and his nose almost as long. That's right, we're talking about Cyrano de Bergerac. Franco Alfano composed this 1936 operatic adaptation of a smash hit play written by Edmond Rostrand almost 40 years earlier. The opera isn't very well known and it's not performed very much today, but it does have some truly glorious music, and we're going to hear some of that on this program. Cyrano is on stage at the Met, starring Roberto Alagna in the title role. Soprano Jennifer Rowley plays the fair Roxanne, a young woman who turns heads and breaks hearts left and right. Jennifer is my guest today, along with Nimet Habashi, WQXR's wonderful overnight host. Nimet, I'm so glad you're here, because you're steeped in this opera right now, aren't you? Well, it happens that I'm writing a paper on the subject, so I am indeed very steeped in the life of Alfano and, indeed, of Edmond Rostand, the period in France during which it was written, and the historical Cyrano. He really did exist. He fell out of trees, and to his credit, he seems to have been the first writer of science fiction, and that's quite a credit. He was fascinated with astronomy, and he has this whole notion of falling out of the sky or flying up to the sky in something that... He envisions a rocket ship. He envisions a radio. One thinks Harry Potter. Well, they did it in the 15th century as well. Just a minute ago, we heard a snippet from Jennifer Rowley, the soprano who's singing the role of Roxanne in Alfano's Cyrano de Bergerac. Later in the show, Jennifer's going to tell us more about some of her favorite music. But even with this beautiful music, the opera version of Cyrano is simply not as famous as the play. Nimet, were you familiar with Rostrand's play before you started studying the opera? I think I read it a long, long time ago, but to read the play again and just hear the words and the hexameter, the rhyming couplets and the the love that flows out of those verses and Cyrano's playing with words, whether it's food or love or whatever he's rhyming, it's it's just brilliant. It's beautifully written. Does the brilliance of the text come through in the opera as well? I think it does, because for one thing, Alfano stuck pretty close to it. He had always wanted to write a French opera as a sop to his mother, who was indeed a French woman. The play absolutely took France by storm. France was ready for something like this. They'd been exposed to very, very hard times, 
And it was also, however, a time of great innovation. Telegraphs, trains were coming into the fore. Even a bicycle was suddenly not only something that people could communicate with, but women were on bikes as well. But Imagine that. Yes, imagine that. I mean, it was a Paris that was ready for things that were new. And at the same time, they needed a feel-good play, desperately. Times were not wonderful for everybody. Times, in fact, were horrible. Now, would we say that this completely qualifies as a feel-good play? I mean, we have this incredible love story and um, you know, some beautiful effects with, with people pretending to be other people, and it, it's really absorbing. I wouldn't call it a happy ending, though. No, it isn't a happy ending. Of course not. But you feel so rich in the music of the words or the music of the opera. You're being told a love story. I mean, a, a more perfect love there has never been. The perfect words and a beautiful creature in Christian. And sadly, they are not one and the same. No, they are not. And that they're in the tragedy, I suppose. But in you are in the meantime both amused and you wish you that you were Roxanne receiving the letters if you're a woman. <laughs> you absolutely do. <laughs> so, you know, you have a few moments of escapism in this particular play and opera. Yes. Now, do I remember rightly that the first performance of this was phenomenally well-received? Extremely well-received. Uh, something like an hour's worth of curtain calls. Right. It went on to play for years it's still playing. In fact, it was on the last time I was in Paris, and I couldn't get in. It was at the Comédie Française, and there was absolutely not a chance in hell of getting a ticket. I'm speaking with WQXR's overnight host, Nimet Habashi, about the opera Cyrano de Bergerac. Soprano Jennifer Rowley is singing the role of Roxanne at the Met. Roxanne is the only object of Cyrano's desire. He loves her. He wants her, and we can tell that they'd be really great together. But he just can't tell her how he feels, and it's all because of his gigantic nose. Jennifer, people can be pretty cruel, and this story certainly touches on that. But I think there's a universal message in here somewhere, don't you? I, I mean, I know when I met my fiancé, we met in a voice lesson, and I said to my teacher... That's my husband. I knew. I just knew. And for one reason or another, I couldn't have him. And it was it was sad, you know. Thankfully it all worked out in the end. <laughs> Clearly, yes. <laughs> and and I'm happy as can be, but there you know, to know and to have that feeling of I know that this is the person, this is my person, and for some reason to not be able to be with that person. There's a pain there that I think I can relate to. Yeah. You know, you know, I'm not Cyrano. I don't have the, you know, the nose. But there's a pain to relate to. That's something that I can work with on stage with Roberto. And I think it makes a very touching relationship between the two of us. Yeah. Actually. Nimet Habashi, you and I just heard Jennifer speaking about why she thinks mm. this play resonates, why it has now for quite a long time, and it still does, obviously, in, in Paris. And here in various guises, there are film versions of this, some of them in French and, and sort of more directly associated with the play. There are some not quite so direct associations. You know, Steve Martin had a had a 1987 film called Roxanne. Quite different. I think he was a, a firefighter or something. So not not exactly the same story. But obviously, this has stuck with us and across the world. Absolutely. Is it every one of us has an area where we're just not 
sure of ourselves, call it an inferiority. It can be physical, it can be anything else. But we all suffer from something, and there are very few of us that are totally self-assured. And Cyrano, for all his smarts, for all his swaggering, swashbuckling self, just can't get past this wretched nose of his. It's a heartache. And he lets it affect him, and he shouldn't. I mean, you're sitting there rooting for him and saying, please, it doesn't matter. Go on, tell her, tell her, please (laughs) tell her. And you're dying for him. And I think the tragedy of Cyrano is that you are sharing his every moment and his absolute failure to tell Roxanne that it is he who's been writing those letters. And you hurt so badly for him and for yourself, for the things that each of us hoped to do, didn't do, might have done, could have done, with a little bit of courage. For a hundred years, more than a hundred years, people have loved this play. And that can be a dangerous starting point for a composer. I mean, how do you improve on something that just ain't broke? Well, the answer is that you add music. Beautiful music. Powerful music. Touching music. Music that gets beneath the words, that bypasses our brains and speaks directly to our feelings. Nemet, I think there are lots of examples in Alfano's score of music that speaks directly to our feelings. What's a good example for people to listen out for? I think the construction of the scene where Roxanne is telling Cyrano that she is asking him the favor of telling her more about Christian, and she's telling him that he's to please protect Christian and that this is the man she loves, where all Cyrano has by way of music is, ah. First she tells him she is madly in love, and he says, ah, really? He's hoping it's his himself with Right, him. he's a little excited. And then she says, yes, and he's someone you know. And he goes, oh, really? Ah, again. And then she says, yes, he's a cadet, and he's, he's thrilled. And then she says, and he's handsome. And then the ah changes. It's a moment of such high drama, and her music is marvelous because she's a young woman excited about her new love, and it's reflected in the music brilliantly. And all Cyrano can do is comment and decide that he will help her. 
protect this fool who can't even speak properly. And yes, of course, because he loves her, because he's a generous human being. And it's all in the music, and it's quite, quite beautiful. We've just heard a recording of Roxanne confessing her love for the pretty boy, Christian. And she's confessing it to a devastated Cyrano who's crazy about her. Soprano Jennifer Rowley has studied the character of Roxanne by reading the play and watching film adaptations and naturally by studying Alfano's score. And even though the character of Cyrano doesn't believe that Roxanne could ever possibly love him, Jennifer completely disagrees. With Cyrano, I mean, to be very honest, she loves him from the beginning. He's, I mean, Cyrano in all forms, in all the movies and, and the book and the play, he's very charismatic. He's very, so how could she not, you know, love him? No, he's not beautiful, but I honestly think that if he would have told her at the beginning that he loved, he was the one who loved her, that she would have went for it, you know? Yeah. And it was really his own self-esteem problem and his own, you know, lack of belief in himself that stops him from having this woman. That's soprano Jennifer Rowley, who's singing the role of Roxanne. Nemet, I'm interested in the range of this composer, Franco Alfano. Cyrano de Bergerac is a genius with words, and you mentioned that he's a cadet, and that reminds me of a very different sort of music in this opera, which is the, the martial music mm-hmm. of the cadets. It's something that, it's, it's pretty isolated to them, and it, and it captures the way that Alfano was actually quite versatile, really different from everything else that is yep, in the opera. There's a lot of martial music. It works beautifully because you've got all these thuggy musketeers walking around. And and Alfano and Rostan were tapping into something that is dear to every French person's heart, and that is swashbuckling novels we grew up with, and that's (laughs) The Three Musketeers. I mean, Dumas' novel is certainly something that everybody could kind of cleave to. So there's martial, there's every kind of music in this. There's the comedy of Raguenot's Kitchen, Raguenot, who supplies the entire community with pastries. It is, in fact, he has a song about the tart that he comes out with, which is charming. listening to a chorus from Franco Alfano's Cyrano de Bergerac. It's a recording with the Kyle Philharmonic Orchestra and Opera Chorus. Matthias Klein sings the role of the pastry chef, Ragano. The current Met production features tenor Roberto Alagna in the title role of Cyrano, and soprano Jennifer Rowley as Roxanne. Jennifer's my guest today, and I want to ask you, Jennifer, is it extra work to pull off a piece that's set hundreds of years ago? 
Francesca Zambello, who's the director, on the first, first day of rehearsal, she said, Jennifer, I, I love you, but you move like an American. <laughs> and she says, I, I need you to move more like a 17th century French girl. So can you can you do that for me? And he said, I, I don't even know what a 17th century French girl moves. I don't know what she moves like. I have no idea. Um, I, I would love to know, too. Right? Yeah. <laughs> So we have a, a wonderful period choreographer. His name's Tom, and we he and I worked together. Uh, we had some coaching, and we worked with like the language of the fan, which was very important at at that time, and how to hold one's body and different things that one can do to sort of show their boredom or show their love, but secretively, you know, using the fan and using gesture. Um, and so when I watched the she suggested, Francesca suggested, I watched the Depardieu movie. She also suggested I watch The Three Musketeers and movies like that. And the women do have this portation about them. It's, it's actually quite mysterious. And it makes you very intrigued by them. And I, I think it's very interesting. And I, Of course, I, I read the play. It's, a, it's very important for me to read the source material. Yeah. For an, any role that I do, the source material is is first. Um, but it's interesting in the play because when you read what other people say about Roxanne, it's always how much they love her, how beautiful she is and how much they love her. And it's it's like every man in the play wants to be with Roxanne. <laughs> it's really, it's quite funny. And, uh, and so I wanted to find that mysteriousness about her that makes every man intrigued with her. Aren't those the opening words of the opera? Yeah. More or less? <laughs> More, or less. Yeah. More or less, yeah. So I did, yeah, I, I read the play and it, lots of study on Google. <laughs> lots of study on Google about, you know, how to... How, in the 17th century, what was the place of a woman? Right. You know, another interesting thing about Roxanne is that she's an orphan. And so de Guiche, who's the, the baritone, is sort of her keeper. He sort of, he keeps her, you know, and yeah. he takes care of her. And at the same time, he wants her too, you know. And so he's constantly trying to, like, find ways to be alone with her and, and be with her. But he's also trying to marry her off to another rich man so that he can collect her dowry because, you know, he's the one who kind of owns her at the moment. And, you know, in doing research online, it really was that. It really was that the women were owned and they were kind of given away for money to, you know, to their husband. And then they were dutiful wives. And in public, they were obedient. And I think what's interesting about Roxanne and what makes her so uh, intriguing to other people is she's not as obedient. She has a little bit of a rascal side to her. <laughs> and she is manipulative. She gets what she wants she does. by, you know, coming up with ways to trick all of the men around her. And I think that makes her very interesting <laughs> to everyone, to me, but also to everybody else. That's soprano Jennifer Rowley speaking about her role as Roxanne in the Mets production of Cyrano de Bergerac. Nemet Habashi, now that you've been studying and writing, you're pretty familiar with both the play and the opera versions of Cyrano. Does Alfano stay true to the original text? I think this particular opera really concentrates on the words and I think Francesca Zambello the director of the opera 
expressed it very well when she suggested that this was a play with music. There's no melody that you're going to walk out whistling, but there is such a lot of strong, marvellous, soaring music, especially in the scenes that matter so greatly. And I think of the balcony scene first and foremost, when you've got three different mindsets. You've got Roxanne receiving the man she thinks she's madly in love with, Christian, who's finally getting the lady he loves, and poor old Cyrano, who's dying underneath the balcony, having caused the whole love to develop in this way, unable to take his reward, get up on that balcony himself and claim his reward, her love. The music is sensational at that part. It it just soars with everybody's different agendas. <laughs> but you you are with Cyrano, most of all. Roxanne and Christian, to some degree, have found each other. But Cyrano, who's given so much is the one who loses in the end. He's the most generous of creatures, and he's the one who loses. balcony scene. So much love, so much passion, so much confusion. Beneath that swashbuckling, sharp-tongued exterior is maybe a little bit of a wimp. In this scene, Cyrano cheats himself out of a chance at love. But not only that, he also tricks Roxanne into giving her heart to someone who doesn't deserve it. This goes way beyond your standard wingman behavior, by the way. So as Act 3 unfolds, Cyrano just keeps digging himself into a deeper and deeper hole. And then he ends up dead. But soprano Jennifer Rowley says, at least we get some really great music out of it. Her Act 3 aria is phenomenal. I love it so much. (laughs) I wish it were acceptable to sing on concerts and auditions because it is spectacular. It's she comes to the battlefield to to see Christian because she thinks he's been sending her all of these love letters. Really it's Cyrano who's sending the letters, but she comes because these letters are filled with love that she's never felt before. She's never read these words before. She's never felt these feelings. And she comes to tell him that she's actually sorry for loving him to start because he was handsome. And she apologizes to him, which is an amazing thing. 
and then says, after I've read these letters, I have learned because of you to love both your beauty and your soul. And this part of the aria is so spectacularly written, and it has a high C to die for. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's just it it's so emotional. And it, I mean, like I, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it. I just love it. At the very end of the opera, uh, Cyrano is is dying. He's been hit over the head with a with a log or a rock in the street, but he makes it to see Roxanne for his weekly visit with her, and he asks her on this day to read the letter, the last letter that Christian gave to her. And I don't know where Franco Alfano's mind was when he wrote this, but it is literally the most beautiful ten pages of music that I've ever sung. I mean, it is so stunning. The orchestra is describing the emotion. the The words are so special, and it swells to this unbelievable climax that it. Roberto and I both can't make it through without tears. We can't. And it's one of those moments when you're on stage saying, you have to sing high notes. Stop <laughs> crying. You have to sing high notes. <laughs> because it's so beautiful that even just the orchestral writing moves you to tears. So these, for me, these two moments are just, they're just the top for this opera.
That's Matthias Klein as Ragano, Manuela Uhl as Roxanne, Roman Satnik as Cyrano, and we heard Paul McNamara as Christian. It was a recording with the Kyle Philharmonic Orchestra and Chorus, under the direction of Marcus Frank. He Sang, She Sang is a production of Classical New York, WQXR. If you liked the show, please subscribe in iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can find a link to a complete video of Alfano's Cyrano de Bergerac on our website, wqxr.org. And while you're there, leave us a message. Let us know what you're enjoying about the show. I'd like to thank our guests, soprano Jennifer Rowley, who's singing the role of Roxanne at the Met, and WQXR's overnight host, Nimet Habashi. This show was produced by Noelle Morris and me. I'm Marin Lazian. Thank you for listening.